Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are finishing Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. We got the last three chapters plus the epilogue, wherein, you know, things happen. There's there's people getting killed. There's uh, swords being unsheathed finally. There's lifeless armies on the go. There's just, it's a whole thing. So uh, we, 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 I'm not going to go into detail because we're about to get there. So I'm Data, and with me today is... Jamie. Joe and Dak. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. To emerge and to breathe anew For a purpose so far from my own And this world I've awoken to Seems familiar but somehow unknown And the branches of gold on the skyline Reach out to the sweep of the stars The beginnings and endings of lifetimes A guidance of light from afar down, down, down the So yeah, 15 weeks in and we are wrapping up Warbreaker. What did you guys think of these final chapters? Well, that was the end of a book. <laughs> it felt a little abrupt. Honestly, it's it was probably not as satisfying an ending as what I was hoping it would be. Definitely some good bits in it. I like that we actually got to see Nightblood and what that does. I like that we <laughs> we found out how Arsteel died. I think Light Song probably had the best ending. Not the best ending. Like it's sad that he died, but it was really cool to see how all of that it came about and like what he saw, why he came back. This was his moment. I think that was quite, that was quite satisfying in the end. But what happened to Siri and Susabron at the end? You got Vasher and Vivenna off in the distance, you know, with just that, like, what is your name? Bombshell. <laughs> that comes in at the end. I don't know. I just feel like it felt a little clunky in the end. There's bits of the story that I think wrapped up really well. And there's other bits that are like, what, why, what, what? Mm. Yep. No, I buy that. That's uh, it. It is weird that it's just like okay, we're, we we've left the city now, and we don't even actually see if like their army is successful. Bashers is like, I mean, yeah, it probably will be. It's fine. I mean, probably, but it would be nice to to know. Right. Like, we actually don't know the outcome of the war. It's it's not it's not over, you know. But yeah, it uh, finding out Light Song's uh, like history and why he returned and everything is one of my favorite bits because it. And I don't know what you guys, any of you thought of uh, this whole time of the iridescent tones religion, but in the end we find out that they're kind of right. Like, Light Song saw something on the other side and came back to try to stop it, even if he didn't realize it. Yeah, it's it's absolutely true, which is cool. And I think he finally believed his own religion, which was nice. I think it's, oh my gosh, I am a god, and this is what I was supposed to do. Yeah. This is why I came back. I saw how this was going to go. And it's all come together now. I don't think it's about his faith. He's, by that point, he's he's got the faith, but he knew exactly what he had to do when he had to do it. Meant to be. Yep, worked out. Oh boy, this book it's uh it's a little it's a little irresponsible. This book is <laughs> irresponsible. I don't know, man. It just it ended abruptly, like Jamie mentioned. the The whole pacing of the book was really just not not good and then like the best bits 
of the ending are exposition and the epilogue. So it's like, uh, yeah, it didn't really, uh, it didn't really land for me. I, uh, I like Vasher a lot. I think he's still the most interesting character, even all the way to the end. And, uh, you know, turns out the book's named after him. So cool. I, I mean, a lot of my theories ended up being correct, so that's good. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like this really landed the way that it could have. I agree with Jamie. Like, so many things are left unwrapped up. Siri and Suspran. And I just have, like, so many questions. Like, I feel like I'm left with more questions than I am with, like, satisfied conclusions. And so, um, and so that's a little bit, it's a bit of a bummer. Because I really enjoyed this book until until uh we were getting near the end and i realized i don't know that this is gonna wrap up well and so uh yeah what's your what's your biggest remaining question i have so many i don't know i can't even think of one off the top of my head there's just so many of my so many questions that while i was reading i was just like ugh. i guess one of my questions is like and I was going to kind of address these as we went through. Sure. That's why yeah. it's kind of hard for me to pick these out. But, like, my question is, so was was Dentha also a member of the royal family? He was an heir of Idris or something? If so, when, when you know, how old is he? Is he from the original Idrians before they left Halendrin? Or, you know, just stuff like that. Like, okay, we find out at the end that he has royal locks, but then that's it. We don't know anything else about him. It's true. I mean... We find out that the royal locks, which we already kind of knew, were because, like, they're descended from the return. So return can just change their form, period. So maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It, nobody else, like, when Light Song died, it doesn't say that his hair changed a bunch of colors and then he no, died. No, that's true. And, like, we don't know that he was returned. It seemed like he actually probably wasn't. But anyway. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, you know, listeners, we've said many times on this show when we come towards the end of a book oh man i don't know how bran is going to wrap everything up before the end of the book for the first time ever he hasn't <laughs> yeah no honestly when i saw the word epilogue pop up on the next page i was a bit dumbfounded because i was thinking to myself wait hang on this can't be that can't be the epilogue the epilogue comes after the story's concluded it's still going what what yeah like i'm very unsatisfied with this ending I, I apologize to the people who really like this book. Like, it was not for me in the end. I can't really call this an ending. It didn't feel like an ending. It felt like a petering out. I, I don't like to be the guy who says, oh, you know, they should have done this or they should have done that, because I feel like that's just arrogance on the part of the reader saying, oh, I know better than the author or whatever. So I don't I don't like to do that, but I do feel a bit cheated in this instance. Because, like, uh, the last few chapters are all about oh, God, the the lifeless army is marching towards Idris. We need to stop them, and they're looking for a solution to stop them. And then one character says, I've got a solution. And we don't see how or even if that solution worked. Mm-hmm. We kind of just go, all right, yeah, we all right, yeah, we got the solution. It's it's going. Cool. Let's see ya. <laughs> what? Sorry, what? Like, you're not like, what happened to Idris? Is it, like, did it work? Also, just on a, pu- on a pure, like, awesome level, it's like, your solution was to pit the zombie army against rock monsters, and you're not going to fucking show us that? That sounds awesome! <laughs> so, I mean, it, it might not be that great to just describe on the page, since, like, it's a bunch of non-sentient things beating on each other. 
hey man, I will love Godzilla movies, and if I can get satisfaction mm. out of them beating the shit out of each other, I would enjoy Rock Monsters versus Zombie Army. That's fair. Okay. Yeah, like these. The ending of this book, there was a lot more telling than there was showing, and I thought that was to its detriment. There are plenty of good things in the ending. Like I agree that I think lights the conclusion of Light Song's story was excellent. Like really fulfilled everything that that character had built towards that and and then following from that susabron busting in and saving siri was a really cool moment and i loved like vasha drawing night blood and just juggernauting his way back into the building and taking dent out and the way he took dent out was really was really cool but yeah no this section like really just left me with a lot of a lot of questions i mean you know what happened to idris is siri really pregnant what the fuck is the significance of the name Trilities and Vara Trilities? Like, that never got answered. <laughs> that never came up again. Like, what was the point of that? Happen. Yeah, just, in, in yeah, in the end, I, I'm actually really unsatisfied with this ending, and it's dragged the whole book down for me. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to shit on this for people who really like this book, but, oh, this did not work for me. That's fair. It's, um, I don't know, I don't, I, Personally, I don't feel like I have, I have as much problem with it as, as you guys after having read it several times. But yeah. I also don't necessarily like I've seen a lot of people say this is their favorite book of his. Like Light Song is often quoted as like, yeah, it's my favorite character in all of his books is Light Song. And I'm like, well, I don't get that exactly. I, that I can sort of see. I can see that and I can see people saying Vasher is their favorite. Like that, that, that I do get. If this is if this is people's favorite book, then. You know, I, I don't want to take that away. Like, you've clearly found something in it that I've missed. Maybe it's the way we've read it paced out. If we just read it in one mm-hmm. big hit, like, as, as you normally read a book, then maybe it'd be different. But, yeah, this like this ending just didn't work for me. So I, I agree with If, like, if we had just read it from, you know, cover to cover, essentially, without having to break it all down, maybe the ending would feel a little more complete. I think because we spent so much time building up some big theories in our head, too. I was like, yeah, I think I figured this out. We piece all the puzzle pieces together, and then it's like, what? Nothing? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't relevant at all. Silly, silly. We spent so much time theorizing, and now it's it's nothing. Okay, mm. <laughs> we'll never know. That's fair. I can answer a couple of the questions because I have I have some things in my notes for this one to be like. Now that we're at the end, I can reveal some stuff to you that was either in the annotations or stuff that maybe uh, if is any from, of them. Other involve, words of Brandon or whatever. Sorry. If any of them involve, it'll be in the sequel if I ever get to it. Don't read it. <laughs> so, no. God instance, Trilodies and Veratrilodies. Somebody did ask Brandon about that at some point. And he was like, oh, yeah. So, like, the name Veratrilodies is a, like, kind of famous name because, like, of things that uh, Denth did way back when. So, Trilodies is actually just named after, like, this famous historical figure. Great, cool. How the fuck are we supposed to figure that out? Yeah, wow. also, I think, it's, I think it's supposed to just be like a red herring. Ones that they're supposed to figure out. It's probably just like the name John, you know? It's like mm-hmm. he names someone else. So, yeah, bit of a red herring for sure. That could have worked if there was a third character with the name and we could have gone, oh, maybe it's just a common name. But there wasn't. There were only two very important characters in the book with that name, so it makes you think that there is a connection. Yes, okay, sure, red herring. But you need there needs to be a payoff showing. Oh, okay, like this is why the red herring was set up, and that didn't happen either. Mm. It was just kind of oh, there it is. Mm, that's true. And to answer Joe's question about Denth, actually, is uh, somebody asked Brandon, does Denth have the royal locks aside from being returned? 
and Brandon was like, yes, actually, good question. So, for what that's worth. It's worth little to nothing. Let's see. Okay. I guess let's get into these chapters. We'll finish up this book. So we start out with Vivenna hanging outside the window, watching Denth, uh, like, torture Vasher while Tonkfa's, like, napping in the corner. He's like, oh, man, can I really stop them both? Like, they're professional tough guys, and I am not. But eventually she's like, you know what? May as well go for it. Like, what, what, what can happen to me that's worse than stuff I've already been through? And so she just pops in and throws some awakened rope at Tongfa and Denth. But Denth manages to cut that piece out of the air while Tongfa is taken completely by surprise and gets wrapped. The rope wraps around his face and neck. Yeah, I really wish Tongfa had been taken out by this ploy. Like, uh, it would have been pretty, pretty satisfying, satisfying. But instead, again, like the book's like, yeah, they, they went off somewhere with their money. They left us kind of twisting on Tongfa, too. So I was like, Ugh. yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad. Glad you brought that up, because if you didn't, I was going to. Um, Actually, that's another one of the notes that I was going to read. Hold on, let me see where to put that. So he's like, yeah, we don't see Tonkfar, Jules, or Claude again in this book. They'll come back later. Without dense control, Tonks is off to start murdering and killing wantonly. By the next time you see him, he'll have changed quite dramatically. Jules, on the other hand, is taking our steel, Claude, to his brother, who is a master of lifeless commands. She hopes to find a way to restore our steel some of his memories and personality. This whole... <laughs> If I get to the sequel thing, it's <laughs> dragging on me. Well, okay. and and I think, like, the real issue here with our questions, it's like it's nice that, that Brandon has answered some of these things to fans and we, we or, or addressed it in annotations so we have information to know. But the, but the fact is he didn't he didn't answer it in the book. Right. Which is the actual work that he made. Like, I don't it, this is like asking me to get answers from a commentary as opposed to just the work itself. And it's, you know, that's kind of, yeah, I'm not trying to be negative. It's just kind of annoying. Sure. It's well, it's like, I know JK Rowling was doing it a lot with some of the Harry Potter stuff. Like she would answer questions and fill in the gaps in, in backstory. And for a lot of the things that she brought up, people would just go, okay, but if this was, if this was true, if this was important, if this was, if this was relevant, why wasn't Mm -hmm. it in the books? Right. And it's like, and I understand you have editors, like, you know, there's a, there's a business of writing a book that's sure. involved with getting something published. You have editors and things like that. And, and even with that, sometimes you don't have time to get all the ideas and backstory that you want into it. That makes perfect sense. But in this case, it's like, it's not just that you didn't have time to put these things in there. It's, it's that these are important because because these books are so character driven, there's important things about the characters that we don't get to know, and it's yes. and it's kind of it's just frustrating because it's like, well, I wanted to know what happened to this person, and you know, even if you had to put it all in an epilogue exposition, which you did put a lot of exposition in this particular epilogue, you could have done that for each character, kind of like you did in Lost Metal. I feel like we swallowed the the Lost Metal stuff a little bit easier. Because there was a satisfying ending to the book overall in general, even though the epilogue had a lot of like explaining of what's going on after it was, which, you know, that book was written after this one. Um, But, you know, it was a book that that kind of wrapped things up individually, but it was still tied into the main story in the fact that it was showing each of the characters reactions to the ending of the story of death of Wayne dying and like, all of that stuff. So it was done. I feel like a lot 
better than this was. Yeah, if we got an extra perspective, I guess, at the end in the epilogue, like they're saying, I think that would have probably been easier to swallow. You've got Vivenna and Vasha, you need Siri and Sisebron. I wouldn't have mind hearing from the King of Idris again. That would be <laughs> kind of fun to see what's happening on his side. But yeah, we definitely needed something else. Yeah, we yeah like, like even King the king's person. Yeah, but even like the king's perspective of, oh no, this army is approaching. Oh wait, what's happening? Oh my gosh, it's these other stone men are fighting the lifeless and they're dying. Like even that would have been better than like leaving it up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been confirmation at least that okay, yes, the plan worked. Because like, yeah, as as the book is written, we don't know. For all we yeah. know, we just got destroyed. It's true. Right. And, like, also, like, the stuff with Parlin, like, his dad was obviously an important member of the of the army in Idris. Like, he was the general or whatever. It's like, d- d- does he know his son died? Because his son died and nobody nobody ever reported, Vivenna never reported back because she's going off with Vasher. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just all this stuff that it's like, yeah, what's going on? Yeah. I guess going back to some of the stuff that you were talking about, the annotations as well, Joe, didn't we find out that Denth and the crew had been killing, like, the, the Idrian army as they came in, all in annotations? Because we never yeah. got their view. No, so, he saw, he, she, she yeah, sees, like, she sees some of the soldiers, like, dead and stuffed in sacks and, like, figures out from that. She infers, like, oh, my father's been sending people and he Denth has been killing them. We yeah, find out in the she, annotation, like, how many it's been. But yeah, not. okay. Right. And she mentions it later to herself when she's trying to, like come to grips with with that death really was a bad guy she like mentions it a couple of times like no i saw those like those soldiers that my dad's my dad sent soldiers and they killed them like she kind of reassures herself that she's made the right choice by like reminding herself that that's what took place yeah so like it's obviously it's mentioned but it's just things like the scale of it i think when we got that in the annotation pulled out that he sent people after people after people and they were just all taken out it's just yeah, like that sort of information in the annotations. I'm sort of almost having trouble determining like what we got in the book and what we got in the annotations. Mm-hmm. All the stuff Claude and Arstil. So in the book, we never find out that Claude is Arstil, right? I don't think so. And so there's so much in that in that relationship alone because Denth goes on and on about Arstil. It's like, why should we care about what happened to Arstil? Who is Arstil? Don't understand what you're talking about if we've yeah. only got the information from the book. Yeah. Like I feel like that's maybe a whole storyline that got cut or something. I, like, I don't know, but yeah. there's, and, there's a lot of valuable information that we get. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and you know, I'm not trying to say Data shouldn't have done this, but, like, yeah, it almost – I almost wonder what it would have been like if we didn't get any of the annotation information while we were reading because it's, like, maybe, maybe we wouldn't have been, like, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? Like, there would have been less layers to peel back because we wouldn't have had – all of the info, or maybe we've been more frustrated. I don't know. It's mm, fair point. Shouldn't have to worry about it again, though. I think this is the last one that has annotations. Right, so Denth asks Vivenna, I was like, oh, was this supposed to be a, recu- a rescue? Because I'm not very impressed. Yeah, thanks. And then he, um, he like, looks at them, and then he's like, Ugh. and he goes over to cut, like, Tonkfa free, because Tonkfa is gradually, like, being killed by this rope. And Vivenna gives Vasher some breath so that he can pop back up and start fighting. And then we get a uh, a Vasher and Denth sort of duel here, which is a thing that we've been waiting for, although this particular one ends a little unsatisfyingly. You know, I honestly didn't mind 
the way that this part of the duel ends because it shows like oh yeah there is like a gap between these guys like basher really isn't the best duelist mm-hmm. but but yep. dent is very very good so like that i honestly don't mind because it's like we've kind of been waiting up to this moment and it's well earned right it's like dent has this reputation and so you know you kind of understand it's true, yeah. We we've been told repeatedly that Denth is a really good swordsman, and and uh, that he does not think Vasher's as good as him, and he kind of proves out. Of course, Vasher's also been tortured all night. I was gonna, I was gonna say Vasher's been hanging from a meat hook, mm. so not at his best, I'm sure. No. And then Tonk Fa is like, yeah, nice rope trick, princess. I know some rope tricks. You know, you can burn flesh with a rope. And then she discovers that, uh, and I don't even know if you guys remember, but like in the in the basement when she finds Parlin dead, she tries to awaken the cloak and just ends up losing some of her breath into this cloak. And so it comes back here where she's like, holy crap, is he still wearing that cloak? Is he really that dumb? And she gets her breath back from it and then awakens it to attack Den. That bit was pretty cool. I'll give you that. I think it's a very cool visual where it's like he's 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 grabbing her and all of a sudden his cloak like drags him across the room to attack to and and at, they in their struggle they accidentally knock vasher out the window and tonk is like you think he'll live he just fell out of a third story window plummeting to certain doom of course he'll live yeah that line seemed super out of character to me yeah that like, seemed very cartoony yeah i was like that doesn't sound right yeah yeah brandon even calls that one out in the annotations he's like yeah that line may have been a little bit much but uh, I thought it was fun was essentially what he says, if I remember right. It really felt like a um, a, I, was, I was expecting that to be one, from one of the lesser episodes of Rick and Morty. <laughs> I, I've watched I watched very little Rick and Morty, honestly. So I've, I've only watched very little as well, but they like they lean on the self-aware stuff very heavily. So mm. that's that mm. feels like that kind of. Yeah, that's one of those shows that like. I only watched because everybody kept saying how good it was. And I got like halfway through season one. I was like, this is okay. But I will say as you get into the later seasons, like most TV shows, it actually does get better. Uh, I haven't watched the more recent seasons though. Mm. This Vasher awakens the rope that he still has to uh, help him not get killed basically as he falls out the window. And then when he hits the ground and it, it helps if you remember that he's in like a giant pyramid, so it's not like he's falling straight down three stories. He's like bouncing down the blocks as they go like further out. But yeah, as he hits the ground and he picks up a sword from one of the fallen soldiers and there's guys at the gate and uh, there's a lot of them. And he's thinking, he's like, I'm not as good as Denth, but I've been practicing this for a very, very long time. So he's still pretty good, but not good enough, he thinks, to fight all of these guys. So he grabs a dead guy's clothes and awakens them saying, fight for me as if you were me. And then uh, after a moment, uh, does a second one. And so he has two sets of clothing with swords, like helping defend him from uh, all these attackers, which I think is another very cool picture. Yeah, I thought that was one of the coolest commands that they showed in the book. And um, I feel like it was also a bit of foreshadowing of like the army that he has later. It's like mm. he can he can awaken stuff to act like people when they're not, which I mean, he kind of been doing that all book, right? He had like the little straw men and stuff. Right. But like I don't know, based on what we know about this this uh, magic system, it seems like a co- extremely complex like thing to do. Yeah, I would think. And Vasher's just like thinking colors, 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 and then he hears a voice. You shouldn't swear. Shashara told me that was evil. 
Nightblood is uh, is hanging out over by the entrance among all the dead people where Vivenna threw him. Aren't you going to thank me? I came to save you. And so Vasher runs and grabs the sword from the dead guy's chest and pulls it out. And we finally see Nightblood drawn. And it's also a very badass scene, I think, where uh, the blade sprays a wave of black liquid as he swings it and it dissolves into smoke. And he's like streamers of black something or crawling up his arm as he swings the sword. Nightblood is just destroy. The evil must be destroyed. And so here come 50 lifeless I, after I, him. I can see why he doesn't want to draw Nightblood all the time. Like yeah. <laughs> there's definitely a cost to, to drawing him. Yeah. Nightblood's always wanting to be drawn. And this shows us that, yeah, there's probably a good reason not to do that all the time, but it's a very impressive sword. All it takes is a single scratch and wh- whoever he cuts is just gone, dissolves like paper being consumed by an invisible fire, it says. Leaving just like a stain of blackness in the air that evaporates. So, yeah, he takes out all of the lifeless pretty quickly with this super sword, but it also sucks up his blood, his his blood, his breaths very quickly. He destroys all 50 lifeless, but it costs half of the breath that Vivenna had given him. And watching this happen, the soldiers turn and they run away. Like, not going to mess with that. Okay. And then he slams Nightblood into the wall and the stone also just evaporates. And he uses this to not only go through walls, but through, like, floors and back up to the third floor where he left Denth. But by the time he gets there and he can't find Denth, the room appears to be empty. He's almost out of breaths. He's got, like, 50-ish left. And he knows that once... The sword sucks up all his breaths. It will kill him. So he like basically chucks it and falls to his knees. And then here comes Denth, who was waiting for exactly this. And he gives him a sword. And he's like, OK, come on, we're going to finish what we started. We're going to do this dual thing. And we cut to Blue Fingers and Siri heading up uh, to an upper floor of the palace where we find out that his plan is to sacrifice her on an altar and then let Idrian see it so that word of this can get back to the Idrians that the only reason they wanted a princess of the royal blood was to sacrifice her to their god king on on an altar. And so that's that's going to be fun for her. And we see Light Song for just a moment to see that the god king is thrown into a cell next to him before we go back to Vasher and Denth fighting. And Denth is just constantly like, yeah, I knew you'd never beat our steel in a duel. Like, tell me what happened. And Vasher's not going to say anything. Which I skipped it earlier, but as he gets knocked out the window, he's upset because he's like, oh, I was almost there. I almost had him, even though he was losing that duel. So I don't know what you guys thought at that point like he had in mind. But and Siri's trying to convince Bluefingers, you don't have to do this. And he's like, I mean, yeah, I pretty much do. Like, this is going to help our cause. This is what we're trying to do. Once they find out what happened to you, the Idrians in the city will riot and the Landrans will have to put them all down to maintain order. And the survivors will go back to your homeland and tell them what happened. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry about this, but it's w- what has to be? I like Siri's just like, but but it doesn't. <laughs> like, you really don't have to, though. He's like, eh. And then we cut to Light Song, who's watching the God King being all upset. But he's like, I wonder why he's not talking. He's just like making noises at these guys. And as he starts reflecting on uh, his life, we see the flashback, basically, to what happened the night that he died. They were on a ship called the Red Panther. So there's where the Red Panther comes into things. And they Damn, hit a... I was actually hoping for an actual Red Panther. Right? Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I, I want to see how I, I'm just wondering how that if there was a real Red Panther, where could we have brought that into play? Uh, that was actually Kalod's Phantom. <laughs> the Panther, a whole like <laughs> bunch of Panthers. No, just one giant Red Panther buried under the city. Oh, that'd be crazy. <laughs> just just chases down all the lifeless and, and kills them. <laughs> sounds uh, sounds too Thor three. Giant wolf, giant panther. Light song starts to remember who he was. Basically, he was like a forensic accountant, is what we learn here. That people hire him to like find out what happened in business deals and yeah. if they were being cheated or whatever. He was like that that lady in Bones, Doctor Bones, but with accounting. <laughs> and so the storm kicks up while they're on this ship. And Larimar's daughter comes out from below decks, which that wasn't smart, and gets swept off into the ocean. And Light Song was over here tying down some barrels and stuff with a rope. And so he still has the rope in his hand. He jumps in after her and finds her, wraps it around her foot, and then gets swept away. But when he dies, he sees something. He'd seen war and destruction. And we find out in, in uh, after a little bit more, it's like, he remembered a voice calm and comforting, offering him an opportunity to return to try to stop like his entire city from being destroyed. And that's when he's like, by the colors, I am a god like this religion is true. Holy crap. So this is where you guys, I'm sure, noticed by the end of the book that we had not touched on anything about the shard that is in residence on this planet. And I, I, I could have brought it up at the beginning, but I didn't want you'd be like, oh, OK, well, the shard's not going to have anything real to do with the story if I told you that up front. So I wanted to leave it until the end. But basically, the shard on this planet is called Endowment. Endowment. She's endowing people with the, you know, this divine breath. And then the magic system lets you endow other things with your breath. So it kind of fits. And the person holding the shard is called Edgley, as in the Tears of Edgley Flowers. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, doesn't uh, obviously doesn't get super involved here, except that we see she's out there somewhere, like giving people the opportunity to come back after they die to try to stop or uh, change something that they saw from the other side. And if you remember all the way back to like um, the end of Elantris, where Chris's notes in there are talking about like she doesn't understand where like what makes the decision for how people on cell get turned into Elantrians. And she says it's not like Skadriel where it's genetic and it's not it's not even like Nalthus where the local shard decides. And so that's the situation. The shard picks people that uh, and gives them the chance to come back and make a difference. OK, sure. So a very active shard, it sounds like. Yeah, to some degree, at least. Yeah. And that that also takes us back to I mentioned, like the annotations talk about Calm Seer, who Light Song was, you know, uh, she thought that she just felt she couldn't help enough people. So she gave up her breath when in actuality, it's a whole thing where she was like this lady who was really nice and always helped everyone. And her neighbor got really sick and she went and like nursed her through her illness. But then she caught that same disease and died of it. And then she returned. And so one day while she's hearing petitions, she sees a guy bring his wife in who's very sick. And it is her daughter who has the same disease that she had and is going to die. And she realizes this is why I came back to like save my daughter. And so she gives up her breath for that. Wow. Did she realize it was her daughter before she did it? 
she realized like at that moment and he said in he says in the annotations like that's what often happens is at the moment where it whatever it is comes up they remember all this kind of like light song is remembering everything here yeah wow so yeah he he yeah that's uh that's that's uh cool it kind of makes which i know we didn't really much like her but it kind of makes blush weaver's death tragic it's like she never got to like realize her purpose or whatever well and she was brought back to do that's also in here where he's like well so what did blush weaver achieve in fact, she returned in the first place to be involved in this ending as well. One thing to note is the return coming back, they do see the future, but when they return, they aren't guaranteed to be able to change anything. Before her return, Blushweaver was a powerful merchant in the city and very well known. She was assassinated after denouncing a group of dye merchants that she worked with for their deceptive and criminal practices. Her testimony ended with them in jail, but it got her killed. And that's how she ends up with Blushweaver the Honest as her title. She returned because she didn't want Titalier to fall to the invaders that she saw taking it after Bluefingers and the others caused their revolt. That's why she gathered the armies. While she didn't quite succeed as well as Lightsong did in her quest, she did help out quite a bit. I think she's pleased on the other side with how things turned out. So she also saw something about this, but yeah, I, I guess that didn't quite work out as well for her. And so let's see. Lightsong figures out after all this exactly why he's back and what he's supposed to do. And he reaches out and grabs the God King. We don't see him actually do it. We just the, the priest looks up with alarm and Light Song grins at him. And that's where we cut away, which is very fun. And uh, one of the things that he said was like, yeah, a lot of you probably saw this coming. A lot of like my readers predicted very early on that like Light Song was going to give up his breath to give the God King his tongue back. And he's like, it's kind of obvious. You have the one guy who can't use his magic unless he's healed. And the other guy who can heal somebody with his magic. So you know and uh which i was like oh well i didn't see it coming <laughs> yeah no i had no clue yeah it didn't even occur to me that that would be an option so it hit for us at least there you go yeah i would say yeah. as well i never considered the possibility that returned could heal other returned uh, yeah sure yeah i mean i predicted that a deific breath might be used but i didn't think it would be used in that way right yeah, last time you had a lot of predictions about how we might see deific breath used. So, I think a, I think a lot of us thought that the God King was not going to make it through this, but uh, it turns out that he does. Not only that, he is extremely powerful now with his tongue back and everything. And so Denth is beating the crap out of Asher basically, and then just like talking shit at him after he's got him down. It's like you judge me for being a mercenary. What was I supposed to do? Take over kingdoms, rule them, and start wars like you did? And Vasher says, you were a good person. He says, the man, that man saw and did terrible things. I tried going back, but the darkness, it's inside. I can't escape it. My laughter has an edge to it, and I can't forget. And Vasher says, I can make you. I know the commands. I can, I'll take it all away from you if you want. And Dennis is like, no, I don't deserve that. Neither of us do. Goodbye. And he's going to kill Vasher. But then Vasher grabs his leg, and he says, my life's yours. My breath become yours. Transfers the breath to him. Which, as we've seen before, when you get a bunch of new breath, you are kind of incapacitated for a second with the sensation of it. And he uses that moment to cut his throat. And he's like, nobody ever expects it. Breath is worth so much to put it in someone and kill them. No, nobody expects that. You wanted to know how I killed Arsteel? Now you know. And the notes for this section just say there's a good chance after killing Vasher that Denth would have just walked over, picked up Nightblood, and let the sword drain, the sword drain his life away. He wouldn't have been able to live with the guilt. But we didn't get there, so... Yeah. Guilt of killing Vasha? Or just the guilt he generally felt? 
I think in general, I think like once he's re- avenged his sister by killing Vasher, he's done basically. Mm. And so we cut to Bluefingers, who's like, hey, I mean, the least I can do for you is I'll kill you myself and not let the lifeless do it. I'll make it quick. It's OK. It's very generous. I mean, I, I like that. Like you see, you see, you see it a lot in pl- in plenty of movies and books and shows and everything else. Like the bad guys who refuse to get their own handy because they their own hands dirty because they think they're too important for it. So it was nice that he's just like, look, I really don't want to do this. So like, but I have, but I have to. So this is the concession I'll give you. It's like it's twisted, but it makes sense in a way. Mm-hmm. Like. It shows he's willing to follow. He's he's got integrity. He's willing to follow follow through on what he says needs to happen. Sure. Yeah, I see that. Uh, she convinces him to not kill her on the altar. Let her die standing up and put her on the altar afterwards. And he's like, yeah, okay. And she tries to convince him still. Like you realize the wife of the god king can be a great hostage. You don't have to kill me. But then they feel the building shake, and somebody's like, earthquake. No, <laughs> I love that. It's so like real. It's like earthquake. What, what's going on? Uh, it is the God King who now that he has his tongue back is just like strolling through the palace, awakening like all of the, the rugs and the tapestries and things. And, uh, they swarm into the room and start grabbing people and tossing them around. Like he's, he's like a Cthulhu thing going on here with just tentacles of various bits of palace decoration. Maybe the real tentacle monster was the God King all along. Yeah. Nobody saw that coming, huh? Nope. And Bluefingers is still trying to kill Siri as the God King is like throwing his the priests around left and right or the fake priests. And so Sobron's like, you will stop. And everyone's like, holy crap, wait, he can talk now? He could talk, he could talk, he could talk, he could talk. I can sing! That would have been, Ooh, help me, been Dr. great. Zays. Yeah. Dr. Zayes, Dr. Zayes. So Sobron just starts a musical number. That would have been an interesting <laughs> approach, yeah. He's like, I'm going to kill you with the power of song. Well, if I can... Min- <laughs> If they can manipulate the colors and stuff, it'd be like Dazzler from the X-Men who turns sound into light. Yeah. That, that's actually great. Yeah, I like this. That would, that would be fucking cool. <laughs> so going into the last chapter, the annotation I wanted to read says, I'm torn about this ending. It seems like the last chapter is a little anticlimactic. And yet at the same time, <clears throat> there's still the major conflict of the book to resolve. Or is it the major conflict of the book? Probably not, as I think about it. This book's major conflicts were character conflicts. Yes, we want to save Idris, and it's important. But what happens with the characters over has overshadowed that. Perhaps that's why the chapter feels a bit tacked on. It's not as bad as Well of Ascension's second ending, however. And I think it's nearly the best way to format this story. That doesn't stop it from feeling a little extraneous, though. Wait, Brandon said that? Yep, that's what he says. Hmm. Uh, even Brandon didn't like the Well of Ascension's ending. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember that book I wrote? Yeah, the ending's not great. <laughs> well, he he says he he says the second ending of that feels tacked on, so, uh, like the the post credit scene basically. Uh, he also says important things to note here: Nightblood does not remember being drawn when he was created. The breaths gave him sentience as planned. That was the big goal in making him to prove the existence of Type Four biochromatic entities. However, once he's drawn, his command takes force, and he acts much more like a regular awakened object, but one with very strange abilities and powers. During this time, his breath is diverted to creating the powers, and his mind goes fuzzy. So just a little more details on Nightblood. And so, yeah, Vasher finds Vivenna, and she's like, she's about time. And he's like, yeah, I don't have any breath left, so it was hard to find you. Nightblood devoured most of it, and Nightblood's like, I don't believe him. Like, I can't really remember what happened, but we did slay a lot of evil. 
Denth is dead, but no sign of Tongfa or Jules. I think they took their money and fled. So it's over. And he's like, and we lost. They they sent the the army to attack Idris, and there's no way to stop them now. So we're screwed. All of this fighting with Denth, it was all secondary. It distracted us. We couldn't stop them in time. And we get Siri and Susabron, who are also trying to figure out what to do about this army. There's a lot of soldiers marching, and uh, not much we can do about it. Although we do get the one moment where they come back down to the dungeon or whatever, and they find Larimar with Light Song's head in his lap, and he's just like, he was, uh, what does he say? The return can heal one person. It's their duty to decide who and when. They come back for this purpose, some say, to give life to one person who needs it. The, the amazing thing is Light Song did it twice. And so Vasher and Vivenna are talking about how do we stop 40,000 lifeless, and Vivenna has ideas, but Vasher immediately shoots them all down as not being very good ideas. It's like Vasher says that there, even if he had tons of breath, there's no way he could stop them. Like, there's too many of them. They'd get in a lucky strike and kill him. There has to be a way. And he says, I thought the same thing before. I wanted to stop it, but by the time I realized what was happening, it had gone too far. What are you talking about? You know, the many war. And then she's like, wait, who are you? Nightblood says they used to call him Talaxin. And then it's like, Nightblood, that's one of the five scholars. He lived over 300 years ago. And Vesher's like, yeah, I mean, Biochroma can keep you alive a long time. And she's like, well, if you're really one of the five scholars, then you know how to stop this, right? He's like, well, yeah, you stop lifeless with other lifeless. That's the easiest way anyway. But, like, we don't have an army to fight them with. That was our army. So, and she says, well, we'll, we'll awaken another army. He's like, where are you going to get 40,000 breaths from and also 40,000 dead people to wake up as an army to the graveyard? <laughs> and we also find out that uh, she suggests the God King. He has all that breath. And Vasher says that his tongue's cut out. But the 10th heightening allows a man to command mentally without speaking. But it can take months of training to learn how to do it, even if you have someone to teach you. And they probably have not taught him, which there you go. There's our explanation for how you can give your breath away when you have no tongue. And then Nightblood's like, hey, Vasher, you, you left an army here last time, right? Like, yeah, yeah, no, I remember. You were talking to that priest, and you told him to take care of your breath, and you gave him your army. Uh, it, it was just yesterday. Like, you remember Yeah, that. but I didn't want her to know that, Nightblood. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, dude. You're embarrassing me. Nightblood does not have a great concept of time. He's like, yeah, it was just yesterday. And, you know, when the many war stopped. When was that? Yeah, 300 years ago or so. Yeah, yesterday, same yeah, thing. You know. And she's like, Kalad's phantoms or Kalad's phantoms. You know where they are. We have to use them. And he's like, well, you're asking me to give Halandrin a very powerful tool. Like, if they could stop that army, like, if, this, if I'm giving them enough power to stop that army, what else could they do with that power? And she's just like, whatever, do it anyway. You'd give such, you'd, you'd give your enemies such power. And she's like, they're not my enemies, even if I hate them. And so he's like, all right, fine. Let's go find the God King. If he's still alive, we'll talk. And up on top of the palace, they can see the smoke in the distance, Siri and Susabron, as the army heads towards Idris. And Susabron's like, I have all these breasts. I could go. I could take him out. I'll, like, tie him up with cloths and stuff like I did the priests. And the guard's like, there's 40,000 of them. Like, they would just cut the cloth and kill you. And he's like, I have to try. Like, he has to try to save Siri's family and her people because he knows how much she loves them. Also, maybe just because it's right. I don't know. And she's like, no, we'll send a messenger. We'll tell the people to, like, go and hide from the troops. He's like, do you think that could really work? And she's thinking, no, it wouldn't work. But it's better than, like, you going getting yourself killed for no reason. 
And he manages to read her. She's like, I can't believe he can read me so well. He's like, no, you don't believe they can get away. You're just trying to protect me. And then here comes Vivenna. They're like, somebody wants to see you. And he's like, I don't want to see anybody. Who is it? It's somebody with the royal locks. And Siri's like, wait, what? And this is actually the only time in the entire book Siri and Vivenna talk to each other directly. Weirdly. Yeah, and it's like over and done with super quick. It really is. It's very quick. It's like, I I came to the city to rescue you. And she's like, well, that's very kind of you, but I don't need rescuing. Came to the city to rescue and then immediately stopped trying to do that. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't have to tell her that part. (laughs) (laughs) That just makes her look bad. I mean, you could tell her that, I assume that Parlin was a friend of hers, too. You could be like, hey, Parlin got killed. Yeah. We we got more serious problems on our hands right now, I guess. Correction. I got Parlin killed. Yeah, well, once again, she probably wouldn't say it like that. And Susabron's just like, oh, Ceres told me much about you, Princess Vivenna. I wish we could have met under better circumstances. And she's like, oh, holy crap, it's the God King. He's talking to me. And Ceres just like, ah, he's not as bad as they say. Most of the time. That's sarcasm, Susabron said. She's quite fond of it. Good job, man. You recognized it. <laughs> Finger to the throat means death. Metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a real, it's a real uh, Big Bang Theory Sheldon gets sarcasm moment. Yeah, very much so. It's sometimes hard for me to remember that the guy talking now is the same guy who was writing everything on his slate board a few chapters ago and, like, didn't understand the nuances of relationships. What is sex? Mm. So Vivenna says, I have a friend who needs to speak to the God King where he can't be overheard by the guards. And so they frisk Vasher, like, real good to make sure he doesn't have any weapons. They make him go and change clothes into, like, a loincloth so he can't be hiding any weapons when he goes to talk to the God King. And while this is happening, the God King's just hanging out with Venom. Like, your sister's an amazing woman. I love her. I would have you know this. She's just, like, looking at Siri. Like, when did she get so regal with that commanding bearing and the ability to actually control her hair? And so the guards leave, and here comes Vasher. And Susseron's like, okay, who are you? And Vasher's answer is the one responsible for your, you getting your tongue cut out, which is probably not how I would have introduced myself, but whatever. We've established that Vash is not so good with people. It's true, yeah. And so then he starts to get big and glow. And it's like, here's his returned form. Yeah, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. First date, man. First date. <laughs> his hair turns golden. His scruffy beard retreats. And he's like, I don't even care if you believe me. But look. Turn, turns into a big ass Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. Although it's funny. I was just watching Inglorious Bastards with uh, the oldest kid. And uh, not like that Brad Pitt. Ooh, not that Brad Pitt. I mean, I love that no. Brad Pitt, but it's not a great, great Brad like Pitt. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting movie. That is. I love it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. And at this point, I'm like, how does he know just because he turns into a returned? Like, has he been taught? Like, how does he know who this is automatically now? Yeah. I mean, it's it, all Vasher says. He's like, I don't even care if you believe me, but look. I left this power and promised to come and recover it one day. And I gave instructions for its care that it not be used. The priests apparently took this to heart. And that is enough information for Zussbron to figure out exactly who this is. Uh, And we've been told repeatedly. I mean, he may have heard from Siri because we've been told through Siri, like people talking to Siri, that like Peacegiver left all of these breaths and charged the priest to watch over them. So assuming she's told Zussbron what she's learned, maybe that's enough to figure out who he is. Maybe it's like, like, I don't don't know. Uh, I, I skimmed the Ars Arcanum after reading all this, but it's like the higher the heightening, the more like instinctive knowledge of breaths and stuff you have. Yeah, hmm. maybe 
maybe when Vasha transformed, Susabron could see all the breaths he has, and and some instinctive thing told him that this was the real deal. Yeah, maybe. It may just be that it's like Siri trusts her sister, and her sister says this guy's legit, so he's gonna go with it. I don't know. Yeah. Nah. Although there was that moment where she's like, Siri's like, should I trust Vivena? Like with the you know possibly putting the God King's life in danger. I trusted Blue Fingers, and I was wrong there. But no, she trusts her sister in the end, so that's good. And like Vasher is just like like the God King kneels to him, like, oh my gosh, where have you been? Like he's just paying for what I've done or trying to. That's unimportant. You have a, gro- a group of rogue lifeless. You've lost control of them. He's, he, he puts responsibility for this squarely on the God King, and he's just going to boss him. It's like, it's your fault that this has got out of hand, and you need to fix it. And the God King's like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Sorry, my lord. My bad. Yep. He's and like, I just learned how to talk like last month. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Vivenna says, I trust him, which that's a decision she made quick. And Vasher says, it's not about trust. Either way, I'm going to give you something. And so it turns out that... Khaled's phantoms that we've been hearing about all this time are those statues, or at least about a thousand of those statues that we've been seeing throughout the whole book, just hanging around out in the city. They like to dress them up in things. These were the, uh, this is, was the army that he used to stop the many war. And Sussebron's like, but you stopped the many war through negotiation. And Vasher's like, you don't, you don't know much about war, do you? And he's, he goes, no. And Vasher's like, well, learn. Because I, I'm charging you with command of this army. Use it for, to protect, not to attack. Use it only in an emergency. And then he gives him his uh, command phrase, my sin be hidden. So we find out that these Didanir statues are not exactly statues. They are human bones encased in stone that were awakened to fight. And Vasher told us straight up earlier in the book that he's like, yeah, my I like I came up with tricks that involved like bones and putting them in stone or whatever. He he, he told us exactly what uh, what he'd done and I don't think that it just you don't pay that much attention to it at the time. No, I feel like that foreshadowing was definitely missed on our part. And so Vivenna instantly grasps how powerful these these things would be that like with stone to basically shield them from damage if and if the bones inside are strong enough to move stone around then they would be extremely strong soldiers. And she's like, but they don't even have any ichor alcohol. And he's like, I mean, we didn't always have ichor alcohol. It just makes awakening cheaper and easier. And really, I think it's become kind of a crutch for people. Yeah, that and like they find out he also had mentioned earlier that ichor alcohol is like really only necessary if it like gets drained because it acts as blood anyway. So it's like if you don't need it to make the move originally, why would you need it if they don't ever get like completely hollowed out? Well, he says he says at one point that it's like if you don't use ichor alcohol, then they start to go bad after a few months or something like I think the blood must congeal or something in there. And the main chapters of the book end with Vasher's being like, they're your responsibility now. Do better with them than I did. Abrupt ending. And then epilogue. And it's like the next day, an army of a thousand stone soldiers charged out of the gates. And Vivenna's like, man, how, how often did I hang out around those statues and never realize what they really were? And then the two of them are just strolling, having a conversation. And she's like, uh, will they really be able to stop that other army? And he's like, yeah, probably. They'll, they'll be fast enough to catch up because they can move more quickly on stone feet, and they're really tough to beat. Vivenna sounds really concerned that her father and other siblings might die if they don't. <laughs> So my people will be safe. And he's like, unless the God King decides to use the lifeless statues to conquer them. Has anyone ever told you you're a grump, Vasher? And Nightblood's like, finally, someone agrees with me. 
I'm not a grump. I'm just bad with words. And uh, the annotation here is, did they succeed? Yes, they did. The lifeless were destroyed and only a couple of phantoms were lost, leaving Halandrin with a very powerful army. Fortunately, Siri and Susabron are the ones in charge of it, so things will be all right for a while at least. There was a more of a wrap-up in that annotation than I feel like we got in the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured that that's how it would feel. Like, you could have just said that. You could have been like, yes, they do succeed. Everything's okay. But no, leaves it to your imagination. And Vasher's just like, okay, see you around, and starts to leave, and Venna just decides she's going to go with him. And he says, you're a princess. Stay with the girl who rules Halandrin, or go back to Idris and be proclaim the heroine, whatever. And she says, even if my father did take me back, I doubt I'll ever be able to live a happy life in a plush palace or a quiet town again. And so she wants to go out and experience things. She does not want to go back to what she was, what she'd been trained to do. It was all a lie. Who are you then? And she's like, I don't know, but I think I'll find the answer out there somewhere. Your family will worry about you. Yeah, they'll get over it. And then he goes, oh, whatever, I don't care. And she says, I can't figure out which one you are. Khaled, who started the war, or Peacegiver, who ended it. And it turns out that he's both. It's it's weird what history does to a man. I guess people couldn't understand why I suddenly changed, why I stopped fighting and brought the Phantoms back to seize control of my own kingdom. So they decided <laughs> I must have been two people. And uh, the final battle of the many war, we're told way back at when, is... Uh, oh, I don't remember the name of it. That painting depicted the final battle of the many war. Mm-hmm. And so the final battle is when Shashara pulls Nightblood and uses it. And I think what we essentially are meant to take is that, like, the slaughter that commences from her using Nightblood is so horrifying that not only does he have to stop her from making more Nightbloods, but he decides he needs to end the war. Like, this can't keep happening. I found out a little more about the Divine Breaths, but it's mostly stuff that we kind of already got the idea Nightblood only needs breath when he's drawn. And she's like, okay, so you're going to burn up one of our breaths every week, reducing our stock? He's like, I used to have thousands. I ate all those. And she's like, you're an expensive guy to keep around, you know? How do you keep from looking like a return? And he says, that's my secret. (laughs) Though you should have figured out by now that the return can change their form. And uh, Brandon does mention in the annotations here that he's like, the big question is, if Asher's returned, why can he give his breaths away and awaken things without killing himself? Because you're supposed to, it's supposed to be all or nothing if you're giving your breath away. We learned that early on. And what he says is, the answer is simple, but I'm not sure if I have the groundwork for it properly laid here, which is why I hesitated in explaining it. Remember when Dent said awakening was all or nothing? Well, he lied. I think you figured this out by now. A very skilled awakener can give away only part of their breath. It depends on the command visualizations. So Vasher needs to always give away everything except for the one breath that his returned breath, the one that keeps him alive. And then Vivenna says, or he, he tells Vivenna, you've got return blood in you, the royal locks. Like, that's where you get the ability to change your hair from. And she's like, does that mean I can change more than just my hair? It's like, yeah, maybe. It takes time to learn. Go for a stroll around the Halandrian court of the gods. And you'll find that the gods look exactly <laughs> as they think they should. And she thinks, oh, and so this is how you perceive yourself as the scraggly man, rough and unkempt. And the annotation says, and yes, the scraggly miscreant is how Vasher sees himself, not noble and returned, which is part of how he suppresses his divine breath. Is I guess part of the suppression is not seeing yourself as the returned guy. And finally, the last one I want to read was, can Vivenna change her appearance more? She can indeed. She could actually stoke that fragment of divine breath inside her and start glowing like a returned. She can't change her physical features to look like someone else, but she can change her age her height within reason and her body shape to an extent it takes practice. 
So so if they're descending, uh, I guess I'm confused with this. She has enough return blood in her to do those things, but she doesn't have a deific breath. Yeah, it says that she has like a fragment of one, I guess, to sent down through the through the line. Do Idrians live longer than other people? Like, I'm, I guess I'm just confused as to like how that works. The yeah, Idrian I don't know. royalty. Not that we're told, at least. And it, maybe it's because, like he says, like she could do these things if she stoked that fragment of divine breath. So maybe maybe they could live longer if they knew that that was there and like worked to bring it out. I don't know. Yeah, but if she stokes it, does that mean she's gonna start consuming breaths to live? Like, yeah, I that was my question. question. Yeah, that that would be kind of a big deal. Like, I don't think I would want that trade off. Right, and so like that's a that's another thing too. I would guess no because she's still alive. She's like alive with the deific breath. Mm-hmm. So when a god gives a deific breath to somebody to heal them, that's a normal person, let's say. Does that turn into a second breath for that person? Does it is it diluted going to a regular person? Because then you're like, why does return giving their breath to somebody heal them, but it doesn't do anything else? It doesn't give them the deific power. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's like all the energy from it is used up in the healing, but I don't don't think we know. It's a good question. And uh, once they've been walking for a while, Vin is like, where are we going anyway? He's like, ever heard of Kuth and Huth? She's like, yeah, your main rivals in the many wars. Someone's trying to restore them, a tyrant of some kind, and he's recruited an old friend of mine. She's like, oh, another one? Yeah, there were five of us, me, Denth, Shashara, Arsteel, and Yesteel. Looks like Yesteel has finally resurfaced. And I did not remember this, or I wouldn't have mentioned it earlier, where she's like, oh, and he's related to Arsteel? He says, yeah, they're brothers. I was looking through words of Brandon to make my list of like ones for the show, and somebody asked, like, oh, are Arsteel and Yesteel related? And Brandon's like, yeah, they're brothers. And so I just assumed that it didn't come up in the book, but I guess that guy didn't read or had forgotten the epilogue and so asked the question again anyway, which fair because I didn't remember for sure that it had come up in the epilogue. I just kind of assumed that it didn't after reading that question. And apparently our steel or uh, sorry, yes, steel. The rumor is he's got a new, more potent form of Iker alcohol. And then Nightblood's like, I'm bored. Pay attention to me. Why doesn't everyone, anyone talk to me? And Vivenna ignores him. And Vasher says, because you're annoying. And finally, she says, what's your real name? They call you stuff, Peacegiver, Kalad, Vasher, Talaxon. What's your real name? He's like, well, I mean, I don't, I can't remember before I returned. None of us can. But when I came back, the cult of the return found me, kept me alive, and they gave me the name Warbreaker the Peaceful. So there's the uh, waka waka. Dak was right. There was a guy or a person called Warbreaker uh, returned. Yeah, not the one I thought, though. It's true. Yeah. Still a good call. And then we get the stupid, this is the Waka Waka moment, where she's like, should have called you Wart Lover the Ugly. Yep. Yeah, that was, I was like, wait, what's, what's happening now? What, what book have <laughs> we stepped into? Uncalled for? Yeah. Right. Like, what? Okay. It's like, we just saved the kingdom. You're ugly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. So yeah, that's the end of the book. Also, also you're ugly. Riveting. <laughs> and I like he's like, is that an appropriate like sort of thing for a princess today? And she's like, I don't care, and I never have to again. So good for her, I guess. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, do I have any other notes? Oh, there's one more note here that in uh, because it th- there wasn't a moment to actually say it in the book, but you may have noticed like the scene where the kid won't go to Vivenna, but the kid goes to Vasher happily, and then the dogs like Vasher. It turns out kids and animals just like returned. 
uh, we, we um, don't get to see any other examples of it, but it's just like a, an instinctive thing. Okay. Yeah. Why is that a thing? <laughs> this is an excellent question that I can't answer. <laughs> maybe they, maybe the kids and the animals sense like the life essence, like the, like the no. gi- giant life essence coming from them or something. The magic breath. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, ooh, you got some of that magic breath. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, we don't. We also don't really get. We we don't really get more on the like how he could take the memories away or anything like that. He says nope. to Dense that he knows the command, but we've got no idea still how any of that works. We sure do not. And that's that's one of the big ones for me was because it's just so different from everything else we see them do. I'm like, how do you do that? I want to know. Yeah, and I guess that must be what he did to the girl to make her forget about the captivity. Right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's like we don't actually know what he did. Just he used he used that power in some way that we don't know, some kind of command. And it's like Vivenna described it as like seeing her breath flicker. So I wonder if he somehow could manipulate like the investiture inside you like that's somehow tied to your memories as well. Mm -hmm. And it and it like he can turn it off part of it off. I don't know. I feel like whatever energy you have in you because we know for example after kelsier dies that like shadow of kelsier remains afterwards right and it gets juiced up in the well of ascension and gets so he gets to stick around permanently more or less yeah that whatever that is whatever energy that's made of his body is gone his brain is gone but he still has all his memories so the memories must be connected to that somehow and so maybe that's part of what's happening here like what you were just saying i don't know Huh, but okay, we, I mean, there's nothing that we can do for predicaments. You guys can try to predict what's going to happen in Wave Kings if you really want, but uh, I don't know that we have anything to go on there. Yeah, um, it's kind of rough predicting what'll happen in the sequel of this book if it ever gets written because he's already thrown out about yeah. billion options. Yeah, it's true. I predict that there will be a sequel to this book at some point. At some point, you got to wonder when, when though. Yeah. yeah, when is I mean, the question? Because I mean, like. I mean, this is not a this isn't a Rothfuss or a Martin situation where like he just hasn't had the, like the next book in the series come out because he's been working on it and it's taken him forever and a day. He's written shit. How many books since this one came out and not one of them was the sequel to it. So it's like clearly the sequel is not a priority for him, which is yeah. his right as the author. Don't get me wrong. That's not a criticism, but it's like, oh, well, you know, the sequel's not like you're not that interested in one, which you don't have to be. but like, who knows if we'll ever get it, since he doesn't really seem that interested in it. Maybe yeah. he's just met enough stuff for a sequel. Like, there's things he wants to cover, but he doesn't quite have a story. Yeah, fair. And it, it's an odd one, because I don't know. I, I mean, Jamie's got a point that we, we know there's all of this information that he's wanting to get into that book. But maybe he doesn't know the story he wants to tell. Who knows? That's, that's totally a fair, fair. point. Yeah. I think... I. It, it may, I think it's more of an issue of, like, he may have the story in mind, but there's just other stuff that, like Dax said, it's, like, the priority. He's writing these Stormlight books that uh, he's trying to get out on a regular schedule. He's writing the Mistborn books, that that's his next big projects after the, stor- the fifth Stormlight book is the next era of Mistborn, and so on and so on. And there's got, like, we know he's he's put out kind of a, a, a general idea of, like, here's my plan for everything that's going to be in the Cosmere at this point. And so we know that 
War or Nightblood. I was going to say Warbreaker too, but the book is tentatively titled Nightblood. We know that that's in there. We know that there's like one or two more Elantris books that he has planned. There's a total of 10 Stormlight books overall, and there's at least two more Mistborn trilogies. So he's just got all of these kind of on the go. And yeah, I, I don't know how you decide exactly what you work on next at that point. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at his big bibliography on Wikipedia now, and it's like, all right, in the Cosmere alone, since Warbreaker's come out, 10 Cosmere not full-length novels have been published, soon to be 11 when Secret Project 4 comes out. Mm-hmm. So, and that's Cosmere alone. Like, he's also got, like, Alcatraz and Skyward and yep. the rest. Mm. It's true. Yeah. See if I can find this list of... All the books that were theoretically. Okay, so yes, here we go. So in 2019, he put out this list of like what at that point he was planning to do in the Cosmere. And so there's a Lantris one, two, and three. He've already done one, but two and three are still to go. Stormlight four and five were still not published at that point. And then six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Warbreaker two, Mistborn era three, Mistborn era four. Dragonsteel, a trilogy of Dragonsteel books, a trilogy of Aether books, which we saw a very brief brief glimpse in Lost Metal of somebody using an Aether. Oh, yeah. And then an untitled Threnody novel. And Threnody is the planet that uh, the one remaining short story we haven't read, Shadows for Silence in the Forest of Hell, takes place on that planet. So we will get there at some point, and then apparently there's going to be a novel set on that planet that's planned. So, yeah, lots of stuff. In the Cosmere alone, still planned. And yeah, I don't know how he decides what he's going to do next. I guess that's whatever he feels like. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, if there's a word of Brandon on that, I would love to hear it. Yeah, right. There probably is somewhere. I'm sure he's given talks about like how he determines what he wants to work on, but I don't know where. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So instead, let's do, I mean, we kind of did at the beginning your overall thoughts, but let's do the final wrap up. Joe can do his rating because he likes to rate the books when we get to the end. Final thoughts on this book before we move into emails and stuff. No, look, I think while the ending didn't necessarily do it for me, I still really enjoyed the story. And it was, it probably was shaping up to be possibly my favorite that we've read so far. I really, I actually really did enjoy the characters. I liked. So we had quite a few perspectives, but also not too many. It wasn't so structured in that triad thing that we had in Elantris. So I like that that was a bit different. I I really did enjoy Light Song's journey in the end. I think it, it took a little while to get there, but once he started on his trajectory, it was it was pretty good. I liked his character. I yeah, a little disappointed at the ending, but the story overall, I still really liked. And taking into account what we've learnt in the annotations and I guess now knowing something of, of how it ends that, you know, it did work out uh, for Idris and, and <laughs> stuff, you know, that's, I guess that's sort of the ending I was looking for. Doesn't matter how in depth we read them. I think <laughs> the, the predicting what's going to happen once again, I think we've, we've fallen into predicting really large, sometimes hitting the mark, but you know, almost a bit too big <laughs> for particularly for a standalone book. But overall, yeah, I, I still really enjoyed it. I, I wouldn't shy away from reading it again, I don't think. And I would be very excited to read the sequel whenever Brandon decides to to get around to it. Um, 
Yeah. On the subject, though, when we started this book, I gave my opinion that, like, the final empire was a heist story and Well of Ascension's like a, a, a political thriller and Hero of Ages is like a war story. In my opinion, this one feels like a fairy tale. And so that's what I called it. And so I don't know what it, what you can add in when you guys are giving your final wrap up. Like if you were going to give it a genre in that way, like what would you call this one? Mm, yeah, I don't know. It's it, There's kind of three different stories we had going on. I don't I, – I guess you could you could kind of put it into that fairy tale bit. I think I was I, – I don't know what I was hoping for. I think once once Lightsong kind of jumped into all his investigation and trying to work things out, I guess it was, it was kind of a little bit of a mystery feel to me. Mm. But, I mean, we're definitely not, you know, a political thriller or anything. That's a hard one. I think you, you're probably fairly close in terms of a fairy tale. Just a general mystery fairy tale, bit of a mystery. Okay. I don't know. There's so many avenues. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's neatly fit into one category. Yeah, that's fair. I'll uh, I'll address the genre first. I I think honestly, this one struck me as of more of what I would call high fantasy than like Elantris is. Oh, okay. Like to me, this seems because Elantris almost had like this weird, not sci-fi, but like this weird kind of aspect that seemed almost futuristic and and at the same time fantasy so and i don't know if that was the the floating guys that kind of like it just made me think of like robots even though they weren't robots sure but just something about it kind of hinted to me that it was more futuristic crossed with fantasy well, even the magic, just, even the magic system is like a kind of like a programming language thing almost. So yes, I kind of get, yeah, that and then like the the monks use like this crazy, scary blood, you know, sacrificial magic, and they can like morph their bodies and stuff. Like it just yeah. seemed different. So I would say that this one to me is more high fantasy. And it's funny that Jamie said this was shaping up to be her favorite book. I was like halfway through, I was ready to say this is my most favorite thing that we've read, but it just the landing just, or excuse me, the ending just landed so poorly for me that I'm actually barely ranking this above, like, Well of Assumption. I, like, I, it, it sucks because Vasher's probably one of my favorite characters that we've had in any of these books so far, but the, but it just, it just didn't do a good job wrapping itself up. And I feel like that can really, in my opinion, an ending can really kill a book. And I feel like mm-hmm. this one was really killed by the ending. A sequel would love to read for the possibility of maybe getting some more information and, and some better uh, wrap-up and stuff like that. But to give this a rating, I don't remember what I rated Well of Ascension. It's been a long time. Because I liked the character so much, I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. Oh, well. Okay. That's better than I expected, considering. Yeah, I was leaning towards like 5.5 or 5, but I'm going to give it a 6. Just because I think there's such there's such good interesting characters but it just didn't like didn't was the light the yeah and the light song stuff was really heartfelt and nice but at the same time like i still had trouble caring about him <laughs> and like to hear you say that some people's favorite character in all of cosmeredom is light song i'm like really him like the only people that i can and i'm not trying to insult those people that 
that Light Song's their favorite character. But the 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 person that I'm imagining that likes Light Song the most likes like that witty I'm the smartest kind I'm the smartest guy in the room type of behavior and I feel like that is kind of yucky sometimes. So I did that's like the biggest drawback for me for Light Song. It's like he acts like he's the smartest guy in the room all the time and then has that dumb self-deprecating like way about him and it's like it's a turn off for me i'm like i don't like people like that just be yourself like and i know we're talking about light song in the manner of like he can't be himself because he doesn't know who himself is but yeah i don't know i really i'm not a big light song fan okay that's fair i mean i, I don't dislike him particularly but i also i'm just like i don't i don't see him ever being my favorite character but you know different different people different opinions different strokes as it were yeah, and I wouldn't say Light Song's my least favorite character in all of Cosmere. I think we know who my least favorite <laughs> character is. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like to me, Vasher's a much more interesting character and has many more layers and a lot more potential than I feel like Light Song ever does or did. Hmm. For anyone new to the show, Joe's obviously referring to his hatred of uh, Wellen. <laughs> yeah, sure. That, that that one guard guy who shows up the one time and yeah, yeah. if you're new to the show and you just came in for a war, a review <laughs> yeah of like Breaker, who is you <laughs> yeah i don't know what's wrong with you man <laughs> this is not the place to start the podcast i mean unless no, you're yeah, just here for place. warbreaker and if so i feel bad because all three of us didn't love love it so i feel like we've yeah. mentioned spook even so far in warbreaker so i don't even if you were just listening probably. to warbreaker you probably would yeah still but also it's like we never be exactly been secretive about the fact that, yeah, we're doing Warbreaker, but any book we've read before this, including Lost Metal, it's like spoilers are fair game for us. That's so, true. Yeah, that's true. If you pick this up just for Warbreaker and you haven't read Lost Metal yet, um, we've kind of blown that for you. At the beginning yeah, of this very a... episode, we discussed in detail yeah. some big spoilers for the end of Lost Metal. Right. Yeah. Like we're on a journey. If you didn't start with us, you're gonna have to go back. I'm sorry. Yeah. I've seen people like in the discord and stuff who talk about like they haven't read all the stuff we've read. So they just listen to the stuff for what they have read. And I'm just like, I mean, thanks, but I feel like that's not the best idea. Like, I don't want to spoil you. That's not why we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're walking on dangerous ground. Yeah. Like that, that is a choice you have made. And this, this probably come, this warning probably comes a little bit too little too late, but (laughs) uh, a little bit. You're a, that's not advisable. Like for us, if you wish to avoid spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since we read like we're, you know, like we said, we talked about Last Metal, which is like the most recent major release. It's true. They couldn't spoil any of the more recent releases because they haven't read any of the secret projects. But yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh. When Tress met Wayne, how crazy was that? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Tress of the Emerald Sea went through the cosmos into the like afterlife and met Wayne. It was awesome. All right, so thoughts. I actually want to. I I won't say Light Song is my favorite character, but I just want to bring up Joe what you were saying about like the ending can make or break a book, and I wholeheartedly agree. I think, but I also think for Light Song specifically, the end of his story made it for me. I possibly enjoyed Light Song beforehand. Like he was kind of fun, but his gimmick got kind of old, especially because I felt like he was just in place for a lot of the time and not really doing much. It's like, here's Light Song being funny again. 
And so that kind of bothered me. But when it got into the meat of his story right at the end and the choice that he made to end his life to save Sir Sobron, I thought, okay, you just went up a few notches for me. So, like, the end of Light Song's story, I, I wouldn't say he's my favourite character, but I can see why people would appreciate him in that manner. And now knowing his story, his complete story, and looking back, and, like, his whole arc was wrestling about, I'm not a god, I'm not a god, and then he finally puts it together and it's like, wait, I am, and this is what I'm here to do. That was that was a really satisfying end to his story. So, with with the benefit of the complete picture of his story, yes, I can see why Light Song would be people's favorite. Okay. So yeah, so that's that. Book itself, yeah. Look, I I think I've spoken in the past like Well of Ascension and Shadows itself have been my least favorites up until this, but I think Warbreaker is the bottom of my list, mm. unfortunately. And not just because of the ending, I do feel like throughout the book, I'm just like, all right, can we get on with it? Like, I felt like it was, and I don't know if that's, I expected more, I expect this to be a different type of story or what, like it was very character driven, which I appreciated, but I just feel like if we want to put this in a genre, this really, really felt like sort of a fantasy drama for mm-hmm. me, which is not a bad genre to have, but the fact, if it, if that's what it was intended to be, a, like a drama character piece it was undercut by the fact that we've still got a massive war encroaching in the background because i felt like well the war seems like it's overtaking this story and then at the end we barely focus on it so true yeah so that yeah trying to reconcile the genre of the book that i think this is with some of the events that take place in the background of it is it just didn't quite fit together for me now maybe that's me reading like something wrong into the book or I took the wrong thing away from it. But I think I've talked about it before. It's like when you've got potentially mass casualties on the horizon and like um, uh, you know, a massive cataclysm where, where hundreds of thousands of people could die. I like, it does make it a little bit harder to concern myself with the little people like in that moment, especially when they're focusing on trying to stop this. And then it's like, all right, well, yeah, the, yeah, they stopped it. Hand wave at the end. They're like, Oh, what? Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, throughout the book, it was just a bit of a struggle because like a lot of it came down to introspection. Light Song worrying about, am I a god? Vivenna going, am I too judgmental? And like focusing a lot of these internal struggles, like fascinating struggles, but it just it, it wasn't quite balanced with what else was going on in the story, I feel like. I don't know. I'm probably explaining this all wrong. I just... No, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, ultimately, I can't really say I enjoyed this one. I would be interested to read it again and see if, like, maybe a reread will make me appreciate it more. That's definitely happened for plenty of books for me mm-hmm. in the past that I haven't enjoyed on first read. But at this current moment, I'm just like, yeah, this one's probably my least favorite of the bunch. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I mean, yeah, you guys all have valid points about, uh, you know, some of the weaknesses here, so I, I can't object to any of that. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know where I put this book on my list of like best to worst Cosmere stuff, so I couldn't I couldn't even argue. I've definitely had a, at least one friend who is very heavily into Sanson stuff. And he asked me, "Oh, how are you guys going uh, with uh, with your podcast?" And I'm like, "Oh, we just started Warbreaker." And he went, "Why?" <laughs> Oof, guess I know where that falls on your list. Apparently, yeah. Well, I guess you guys agree, so it kind of works out. Mm. Yeah. What's amazing to me is like thinking about how I dislike the the ending you know i went online and i was like well let me look at the reviews of like the book overall and it it's like one of his highest reviewed books 
Really? Like it, the ratings are like 97%, 4.8 out of 5. Like it's one of his highest rated books, which is interesting to me. And I don't know if it's because it's the most accessible because it's free on his website, but like <laughs> lots of people have read it. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's one of his highest rated books, which was, yeah, definitely interesting to me. Well, I, I, I am glad people got something out of it. I unfortunately was not able to get the same. I want to look at the one star reviews on Goodreads. Uh, Sanderson is a fairly hyped author, and I heard about his world building. While this magic system was unique and fascinating, the story was at best average. This book seems like a classic YA book. Young adult, eh? Yeah, that seems to be this person's main complaint is that it's, it's well, a young adult I don't, book and they don't like I don't books. understand. Like, maybe I'm stupid, but like young adult and like regular fic- fantasy fiction, like what what the hell is the difference? I mean, I could point out some differences that people generally point to, but honestly, I think that there's a, a big, in the fantasy community in particular, there's a big group of people who just has a knee-jerk reaction. It's like, oh, that's young adult. I'm way too mature to enjoy something like that. Um, I, my, my fantasy is clearly going to be more mature. And I'm just like, I can enjoy it just fine. Like, I'm, yeah. maybe I'm just less snooty than you or less sophisticated, one of those. I don't know. Right. But, I guess my question is... When you say it's more mature, do you mean it has more language? It has sex in it? Like, what are you talking about? Mm. Are you talking That's about right. it has more, like, literary themes? Because I can point to tons of themes in this book. I think I have. Yeah. Like, yeah, so I guess my question is, like, what exactly is it that you're talking about? And look, I'm I'm standing here defending this book from some one-star review, and I didn't even like it that much. <laughs> I like this, this one-star review. Uh, the, the next one is, like, the problems. Book is bloated like a dead whale. There are really only three story points in this book. <laughs> Coming to realize one's prejudices, learning awakening, and starting the war. The first one should have been in drips and drabs throughout the whole story as character growth, not a main focus. The second one, even the author didn't find logical, so it just became a cringe fest whenever we tried to go through with it. And the last one took all of maybe 100 pages. The characters. Light song is honestly the only word I can settle on. What is normally a fairly good-sized vocabulary is... Douche nozzle. So, did not like lights on. Got it. All right. Well, that's enough one star reviews. No, Come yeah, on. I'm not going to go into any more of those. Uh, oh, except for any of these include the word should, which again bothers me. The, yeah. The, the last note here is the misogyny. Every woman in this is defined by her ability to get in bed with men. I, I don't think that's true at all. Fucking what? Uh, oh, yeah, I don't know that that is true. No. The men all take turns making sure the women know how they're worthless, and then the women fawn all over the men. I I don't know okay, what book you read. What? <laughs> I don't think you read the right book. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's that's. The, uh, let's. We got an email and uh, a a message on Discord that I wanted to touch on before we're done today. The one on Discord is from Jay Shala, and it says sending a quote email for the end of the book because I'm predicting that when Blushweaver admits to Light Song that she was working with the quote priests the crew will be like see she was a bad guy all along i knew it so like in that case i'd like to preemptively remind them the blush weaver was working for the conspiracy in the same way vivenna was people she trusted lied to her and said the war was definitely coming so here were some things she could do to shore up her side whatever you might say about blush weaver she wasn't trying to betray halandrin or overthrow the god king or cause a war for her own selfish purposes she really believed what she was saying yeah i don't think any of us like we're dogging her for that particular thing. I think we we're docking her for the other stuff. I know we had, <laughs> yeah, just for being just a generally not very nice person. Yeah, um, unpleasant person. 
Yeah. I I think we definitely threw out some predictions that she was maybe the big bad when we were still trying to figure that out. But yeah, I mm-hmm. it's the end of the book. I don't I don't see that she's like oh big bad. I yeah she she definitely had her reasons for doing things and it sounds like she didn't even really fully understand why. I guess she knew what she needed to know at the time she needed to know it, but right. yeah, it's it, like, it is sort of unfortunate that that's where she ended up. I do, I do think that she was, you know, trying to do the right things, but you know, it, it all comes down to perspective. We talked about that a fair bit through the book, you know, from my perspective, the Jedi, Jedi are evil, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone thinks they're doing the right things, but maybe they're doing the wrong things for the right reasons. She's just caught up in that. Yeah, but that's a good summary. I like that. I still don't like Blush Weaver, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's the worst. How she died. Like, I, I, I didn't wish that upon her, but I just still think she was just not very nice. Yeah. So, like, look, look, girl, I'm not wishing for you to get your throat slit like you didn't matter at all, but uh, you don't have to be uh, like you are. Yeah, I don't wish that on anybody. Not even Spook. <laughs> Well, that's good because no. he, he becomes emperor. Really so. I think where she really lost me as a character when she approached Theory, and I was like, "Whoa, yep, that's hundred percent uncalled for." Like, no, I don't like you now. Go away. <laughs> yeah. Rude what much? is this high school? Siri Come didn't on. do anything to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She walks up to Siri's like on Wednesdays we wear pink. You can't sit with us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the thing about this book is we have a character named Siri, and my phone keeps thinking I'm talking to it. Mm-hmm. Crazy iPhone. Was it on the poet episode where you checked and it's like, oh, this book actually came out before Apple created the the AI? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. I kind of forgotten he mentioned that. Yeah, yes, the AI didn't come out till like they stole 2010 it. or 2011 or something. Yep. Okay, we have one email from Kim, and basically this email is three questions. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull them out one at a time and let you guys answer them. So it says, hi, Sander Lanch crew. By now, you've seen a lot of worlds in the Cosmere and therefore, therefore, a lot of flora, fauna, magic, etc. How do you feel about the places in the Cosmere so far? How do I feel? Oh, I, don't, I have no idea. That's a weird question. Like, how do I feel in what way? I, I don't know. Maybe it's like, Would you visit what, what's your favorite place in the Cosmere? What's your least favorite place? Like, do you think that uh, they're different enough to be interesting or are they kind of the same stuff over and over? I don't know. Yeah. And this is maybe something that I have a hard time as a reader because I'm just not very good at this in my own brain. Every planet, unless specifically described differently, because I'm not very, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that looks at maps and be, and, and is like, Oh man, look at that. And now, Oh look, that's this area. And this is where they are when they're talking about this. Like, I don't do that. I've never done that. Not even with like Lord of the Rings where they have these awesome maps at the, at the front or the back. Like I just – I don't do it. And so it's hard for me without specific words written down by the author to kind of get a sense of setting and what the places look like. I'm just not very good at visualizing that kind of stuff. I'm I, – I, my brain automatically focuses more on like what, what the characters would look like in my head or you know the way that their voices would sound or the way that they talk to one another, the cadence that they use and stuff like that. So I, I would say because the, all these books are written in English without the extra information that we get from data, I don't really know how they differ 
besides what's written on the page. And so I, I probably couldn't come up with a specific thing that I like or dislike. For example, you know, I have a completely different feeling about original Mistborn trilogy setting than I do about Second Era because the, the world has changed a lot. Yeah, it really um, has. It's the same place, but it's changed a bunch. Mm-hmm. And so I've never been a fan of stuff set in like industrial Western type of settings. But at the same time, I liked the characters so much that that didn't really matter to me. I like Second Era Mistborn maybe just a little bit more than First Era. If I'm going on a book-by-book basis, I would say because that's actually the setting that we got the most books in, right? We got four books in that setting. I'm always a fan of the give me more of the thing so that I can form more of an opinion on it, right? So like the more books there are in a particular setting, like I may love Stormlight because we're going to get a lot. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you know, it just depends on if if it, if I jive with it, if it's if it's interesting to me. But yeah, like definitely having four Wax and Wayne books definitely kind of helped me edge it out. Maybe even over First Mistborn, there are characters I like in the First Mistborn era way more than the Second Mistborn era. But the main characters, Wax and Wayne, even even though you know Wayne does a lot of bad stuff, but Wax Wayne, Steris, Marisai, I like all of them. Like I, I like them all for different reasons, and I think they're all interesting and really fleshed out. Whereas I feel like the first Mistborn era had so many character, tertiary characters and even main characters that it was harder to get to love each and every single one of them. And you know, there was one in particular I didn't like at all. So, so yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know that that answered the question, but <laughs> I, I, I'm a little I'm rambling a little bit here. But uh, I would say if you're asking me how I feel about the books so far that we've read, I'd say Mistborn Era 2 has been my favorite probably just because it has had the most books. Yeah, okay. Sure, sure. It's all about the places that they're talking about, the planets and stuff. And like, it's sort of hard to judge because like these aren't Star Wars-style planets where it's a single biome for the entire planet. Mm-hmm. Like in, in Nalthus alone, we've got like the sort of the frosty mountain areas and then like the tropical jungle bordering on the sea that we get down in Halandrin in to tell you so it's you know it's sort of hard to judge like oh this 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 planet is cool in this planet because you're only judging it by a very small bit and it's like you know there's a lot of geographical features to cover i do think like some of this i think elantris definitely captured like a very specific or oh, what the hell is this setting in that city while it's like it's a city of death and decay and it's like very mm-hmm. gothic and just like like this is the stuff of nightmares that was really cool skadriel like especially in era one where it's just like this virtually apocalyptic landscape even before ruin really got his hooks into it because there's volcanoes there's ash and it's just seems like a really shitty place like if you ask me which one i want to visit probably halandrin because it seems like the least shitty <laughs> first of the sun you know, it's kind of cool but everything on that on those islands are trying to kill you so i'm like well, True. yeah scenic from a distance you know maybe i'll go on a <laughs> boat tour but not a not you know not a walking tour of those islands didn't really see much of Emperor's Soul. I, I guess, like, Mistborn Era 2 is the closest to our world. I, I will say, like, I think I mentioned it in those series, I'm a, a bit disappointed we didn't get as much of the Wild West fantasy, like, out in the desert, because it did come back to the cities really quickly and, fo- and focus on there, so there's that. But, yeah, like, there's there's definitely been some interesting settings and locations for these books so far, but I think the one that has captured the imagination the most has been the city of Elantris so far, because that 
that's the fir- that's the first that uh, I think it's really the only lo- set- setting location that has felt like a character unto itself. Hmm. You know, they talk they talk about Firefly how the ship Serenity feels like like the tenth member of the crew. It is like like a character of its own. Yeah, and that's how I feel about Elantris the city. That's that's a good point. Yeah, and I we definitely got some very detailed descriptions of Elantris. You're right. Like we we dive deep into like the feeling of being in this dead city. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the more and more I look back on Elantris, I'm just like, that was a really good book. Uh, still not yeah, one of my favorite books. Elantris might be my least, but, you know, I'm not saying it's bad. Sorry, go ahead, Jamie. I was just saying, the guys raised some good points. Yeah, if I had to pick somewhere that I'd like to go to visit, uh, it probably would be Helandron. I think the colors, the, the tropical breeze, that sounds like my cup of tea. <laughs> you know, ash-stained, Gadriel, probably not so much. Uh <laughs> But I think I think Brandon does a really good job of of sort of painting a picture. Every time I sort of think about these books, though, I'm like they've always got like the common common kind of locations. Like they've all got their slums and they've all got their more dignified areas. And so I guess there's not when I'm just picturing places, there's not a huge deal of difference to me like at first glance. But the areas that you do spend a bit of time in, I think he he paints pretty well. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, it's like an, an, another factor which just talking about this made me realize like pretty much all of his books, except for probably Hero of Ages, so far at least, they all tend to take place like in like one certain spot. They might occasionally move to another certain spot, but he hasn't had anything like you know Lord of the Rings for ex- for example is one of those traveling stories where you go through all these different places and you get mm-hmm. to see different settings and stuff like that throughout the entire story most of brandon's books haven't really done that they've usually got one or two major locations where all the action takes place so you That's see true. those you see those bits and not the in-betweeny bits talking about the the planets so far is a is a good uh, opportunity for me to give you all a slight warning about your perspective going into stormlight i, I would just say don't don't assume things uh and it, it will get very descriptive about the environment so it's not like you it's not like i'm gonna tell you I'm, I'm telling you something that you won't know but basically the stormlight world is very different and when people say things like grass and tree don't assume that you know exactly what they're talking about because things that you think you know don't apply to this world so just just a, a, a little thing going into that as we start that next week okay yeah, I know. It's it's a weird, but uh, you'll see. The second question. Also, what are your feelings about experiencing the Cosmere in this kind of format, slowly a few chapters at a time? We've talked about this a little already today, but if you want to mention anything about your feelings there. Sometimes it has been to the benefit, and sometimes I feel it hasn't. Like we talked Warbreaker, I think, might have I might have uh, enjoyed it a bit more if we'd read it all in one hit. But some books, I think Final Empire... Alloy of Law, Lost Metal, and yeah, even honestly, even Elantris, I think reading them staggered has sort of in- increased my enjoyment of those books. So, hmm. okay, it's almost hard to say because we haven't read it the other way. I think that I, I do like that we're given the opportunity to discuss things, and and someone might have missed something that you pick up on, and it might sort of change your thought process a little bit about trying to to figure things out. I think there's definitely pros and cons to to both both ways of doing it, and yeah, I agree with Dak. Like sometimes it it might be sort of to the detriment, but sometimes it might be a real advantage. I think when we were working through the epigraphs in the first Mistborn trilogy, that 
worked really well because we were really trying to stitch that puzzle together. Mm-hmm. But yet maybe maybe in this case we might have benefited from just being able to read through rather than almost dissecting it too much. I think I've spoken about it probably at the end of every book, but we tend to go really big on our predictions and and maybe overthinking it shapes our expectations for the rest of the book. You know, we maybe wouldn't be as let down, I guess, by the end of it. I'm not saying yeah. this was a total down either. Like we've been pretty harsh on I think we've been pretty harsh on this book. I definitely still liked it. It's just it was just not where I wanted it to go. Yeah, and I think that uh, this definitely isn't the first one of these books that we've experienced that. You're right, where it's just like you come we come up with all the theories, even the lost metal, like there was a lot of that where it's like, Oh, this is a really cool way this might happen and then it didn't happen that way and it's like I mean what did happen is fine, but I'm kinda disappointed that I had this really great idea and it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, reading it this way, it's certainly a thing. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we're we're doing it for the sake of the show. I feel like it doesn't. It's not something any anybody would do. Although, you know, as a kid in school, I feel like that's how they always assign it, right? Because they didn't want to assign you just the whole book and it's due by this time, at least in high school. So it's like we read, we got to read this much this week and this much next week and blah 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 right. and write that's write true. it down, make some notes and stuff like that. It's like. But I always didn't enjoy that anyway, so I usually <laughs> would just end up reading most of it right before I was supposed to have read it, because that's just how I was in school. And so, you know, it's it definitely, I think we've talked about the pros of it, are just the fact that we're able to make predictions and come up with ideas, and sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong, and it's cool when we're right, and sometimes it's more interesting when we're wrong, because it's like, oh man, we had an interesting idea, but it didn't happen that way, but man, what if it had? Right. We can go on that, we can kind of go on that digression. And so I think for the show, it really works, but yeah, it, it, it's, and, I, and I've said this before on the show, so I'll say it again, like, I would not have read this many books from from this author if it wasn't for the show. And that's not that's not to say that he's not a good author. It's not to say that uh, that they're not worth reading. It's to say that my interest level would probably not have kept up if there if we weren't doing a show. Like I probably would have read like maybe the first Mistborn book if I had. And I I know I've mentioned this. If we re- if I read Well of Ascension next and I was by myself and didn't have this show, there's no way I would have read Hero of Ages. I would be like, nah, screw this. Mm. I'm not reading the rest of this. And so. Then there would have been absolutely no reason for me to read Mistborn Era 2 and I, you know, or Atlantis or any of that stuff. So it, the show is the show is why we do it the way we do it. Take I kind of just take it as it comes because that's how we're we're doing it. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. All right. Last question. And I think it's our last thing for today. Lastly, how do you feel moving on to Stormlight? Any feelings? I mean, you guys don't even know that much about it, so it's kind of hard to know what to feel, except that, you know, it's supposed to be this big epic one. So what do you guys feel? I mean, it's always really exciting to start the new book. I think we we always tend to look forward to it. Obviously, it's going to be such a big saga for us to, to go through. No idea what to expect, and particularly with Data's warning uh, just before about you don't don't think you know what you know. <laughs> the grass is not grass. Yeah, or you know, grass is purple, or grass is actually the sky. Like who, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I Skygrass. I don't even know how on top of uh, upside down we're going to get, but it's exciting. It's always start uh, always exciting to read a new one, and I I think I'm excited with knowing the scale of what we're about to walk into. I think there's a really good opportunity for the world building, the characters, the wild predictions 
to come out. I think it's it's going to be really cool. And and I think our listeners have been excited for us to get here for a long time. So it'll be it'll be great to get some of their their input and and words of wisdom on the way as well. Yeah, if if you guys can't come up with some wild predictions as we go through these books, I will be sorely disappointed. There there should be lots of opportunities. Oh, I got you. <laughs> yeah, maybe. grass is volcanoes. No, no, no. Jamie's already given skygrass. Like, oh sky grass yeah, that's the, true. Skygrass is the key. Skygrass is a narcotic. <laughs> it does sound like that, right? Yeah. Grass that takes you to the sky. You don't want to sell me skygrass. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. It's like, yeah, like the, the like the universe is a dragon that was broken into six pieces, and Hoyd is the grass in the sky. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck am I talking about? Um. Yeah. No, I'm. I have this is going to this, this is going to sound harsher than I intended to. I have mixed feelings, not in the sense that I'm not looking forward to this because I I absolutely am. I am always trepidatious about getting into a big a new big series in general because I'm just mm-hmm. like oh man like you know big series like whether it's a book series or a TV series it's like a you know you you don't like that's a commitment not so much a uh, you know, like oh yeah I'll just sit down and pick this up and you know, it's taken us three and a half years to get through the nine books that we have read, at least three of which were much shorter than mm-hmm. the regular books. And now we're looking down the barrel of a 10-book series, only four of which have been released, but each of those four books for us is split in two. So that gives us an idea of how big the bloody thing is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh man, that's that's big, that's dense, That's there's going to be a lot going on in this one. Add to that, there's the hype factor, like, We've had some people who've said, oh, Lantris wasn't great, or Warbreaker wasn't great, and not as many, but some people who said, oh, yeah, the Mistborn books weren't my favorite. I don't recall a single person saying that about Stormlight. So, I'm cons- like, another concern I have carrying this in is, like, everyone's hyped this up so much. What if I don't like it as much as everyone has hyped it? Right. Like, what's that going to, like, I don't know how I'll feel about that. So, we'll we'll see how that feels going in as well. But, yeah, it's like, those those are the things holding me back. I am excited to get in because everyone has said this is the series to read, and and I really and I really want to dive into it because even before I'd read any Brandon Sanderson, like that was the thing people told me. It's like if you got to read some Brandon, that's the one to read. So it's like, oh man, years have built to this, and I'm just like, I'm I'm finally here. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> so I am really looking forward to it, but on a, on some level, I'm a little bit terrified. No, yeah, that's fair. It's always whenever anything is hyped up, especially I'm just like, eh, that that may be one of the reasons that I, I actually didn't read Stormlight until I think I'd read pretty much all of the other Cosmere stuff out of the time, because it was like, oh, this is the one. This is like the Game of Thrones of Brandon stuff. I'm like, well, I want to want to read that. Uh, yeah. Mistborn's still my favorite, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to say it's not it's not good. I didn't I never I didn't read Harry Potter until well, it would have been 2004 or something. Because yep. everyone was hyping. I remember it up you so made much. fun of me. Yep. You made fun of me for reading it, and I was like, "Why? It's good." It wasn't yeah. until it was the third movie was coming out in theaters, and my college friends were like, "Oh, we're all going to see the third movie. You got to come." And I was like, "Well, I guess now I got to read the book, so I can't just go see the third movie, not having seen either movie or any read any books before now." I was also just like, uh, everyone was hyping Harry Potter when I was a kid, and I'm just like, eh, everyone's going on about it, and it's like it got to the point where it was sort of turning me off mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. I was like, I didn't want to, and then I remember, God, I must have been 12 at most, 
No, young. I would have been younger. I remember my mum picked just picked me up, and sitting in sitting on the seat was um was one of the Harry Potter books. Like she'd just gone and bought it for me, and I said I haven't read any Harry Potter, and she just looked at me and said, "Well, you better start." I'm like, oh, oh shit, okay. <laughs> I bought this book. You're reading Harry Potter. <laughs> you better buy it. Now we better read it. The, the, the cap off to it all as well. It was the second one. That was what I started with. Yeah, you could probably start with the second one. I was about to say you get away with that. Yeah. Yeah, I went back and read the first one after that. Right. Like, yeah. But I'm just like, yeah, that's that's just my memory of just like the like just the look of disdain on my mum's face. It's like, well, fucking get on with it. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, you know, this might be the series that breaks me. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I it might I, be. Look, yeah, it might be. Uh, look, I I know I've told like some friends that I personally have that I do this show, and whenever I tell them what they're reading, um, if they're familiar with Brandon Sanderson, some of them are like, oh yeah, he he wrote that, okay. But they are always the ones that are like, but but are you guys have you read Stormlight? Are you guys reading that? And I'm like, well yeah, we're going to read it. We haven't read it yet. So like. I feel like it's the most well-known, right? Like even people who don't recognize the name Brandon Sanderson, some of them recognize the name Stormlight Archive yeah, or Way of Kings or whatever you want to call it. And so it's interesting to me how that, that how this series is apparently permeated fantasy readers, but the rest of his works haven't. And I guess to me going in, knowing, you know, data telling us, all of these books are kind of interconnected because they're all a part of this universe called the Cosmere, right? There's so many people I know that have read Stormlight Archive, love it, but have no idea when I start talking about Cosmere to them and stuff yeah. like that, they're, they're, they have no idea what I'm talking about. And so that's interesting to me, too, that it's like they have no frame of reference for this larger picture that we have had a frame of reference for, not completely, but almost from the beginning of, of when we started the show we've been building um, it for sure yeah right yeah building it for sure and so in a lot of ways i'm gonna have to reset my brain again because again joe has to remember you know when brandon wrote the the first stormlight books the gloves weren't off he he didn't interweave all of these super obviously with each other and so i'm going to have to remember yeah i need to think of this as its own thing until I spot something that makes it not its own thing. I think that's the biggest thing for me to remember because I I like the crossover stuff. Like that's probably my favorite part of anything is when it crosses yeah. over with something else. So I'm I'm excited to read it. I like fantasies, you know, and, and epic stuff, but at the same time, I, I do get not not bored's not the right word. I do get tired of reading something if it's dragging so my hope is that even though these things are dense that they don't that that it doesn't drag that it kind of it still clips along at a at a pace that is suitable like if we're spending 10 chapters on a guy having a conversation with somebody else like that's not gonna that's not gonna be good for me i would be like dude (laughs) let's move on so we'll see i don't know how many years in the timeline that this these books span like i don't know if the first book takes place at some point and then the next book takes place like 10 years later like i don't know any of that stuff so it'll be interesting to see how much ground is really covered here and so yeah i'm um i'm i'm optimistic you know i i I try to be critical of things because i want to know what's the word i'm looking for I, i i tend to be critical of stuff because i care about 
things, you know, and I could sound I could sound angry when I'm really just like impassioned about something. And I say all that to say, like, I, I may really like Stormlight. I may really not. That doesn't mean that any of Brandon's books are not good. It just means they may not be for me or maybe they really sure. are for me. And so I want to say that again. I know I've said it several times on the show over the course of, of the show, but like not everything is for everybody. So I'm very optimistic about possibly enjoying this, especially since I know people personally that have read it, you know, and I've, you know, obviously I told them, yeah, don't tell me anything about it. I only know one character's name because a guy I know named his son after one of the characters. But other than that, I really don't know any of the characters' names. And I don't know anything about that character except his name. So really doesn't tell me much except his name. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what happens. No. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, we're, we we need to do our word of Brandon of the week, and I'm gonna the, the one I was I had picked out would probably need a little more conversation, but we've gone a little long, so I'm gonna choose a different, slightly more boring one for you guys today. This person asks, "What if Kelsier hadn't scared Vin away when Hoyd was?" He cuts off a little bit there, but basically, you know, in in Hero of Ages, yeah, Vin goes to talk to Hoyd, and Kelsier in Secret History kind of scares her away. So he's like, "What information would he have told Vin?" And Brandon goes. So he would not have revealed terribly much of use to her. He was there trying to find out things for himself. So yeah, I don't know that that gives us much even for discussion, but I found it kind of interesting because it's like it, it we have we had no idea why Hoyd was there or what might have happened if Vin had talked to him. And now it's like it, it really wouldn't have been that relevant. So that kind of answers that question a little bit. So I, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Begs the question, how prescient is Hoyt? Does he know what's going to happen? Does he know Sazed is going to save the world? And he's just there to pick things up like you know if if hoyd doesn't know that's going to happen and the world's going to be saved like as powerful as hoyd is i got to assume that if the planet blows up and he's left drifting through space he's probably not going to make it either yeah right like you got to figure that maybe he knows something if he's willing to just hang around sitting sitting down and waiting for things to happen yeah he's he's just like sitting on the planet about to blow up like that dog in the burning house it's like this is fine (laughs) now now i have to make this meme okay (laughs) i'm sure someone's made it Probably. So for next time, we're starting the Way of Kings. We're reading three chapters, essentially the prelude, the prologue and chapter one. And uh, since Joe was mentioning and I've I've touched on this before, but since Joe was mentioning, like, I don't know how long takes place between these books. I'll, I'll note again, there are within the first between the prelude and chapter two, I will say there are one, two, there's three time jumps, I think. At the, at the end of the prelude, there's a time jump. At the end of the prologue, there's a time jump. At the end of chapter one, there's a time jump. So Yeah, I think you may have mentioned that before, and I just forgot. This isn't so, Samson's Game of Thrones. This is House of the Dragon. Something to look forward to for you guys. So. How many chapters do you expect Way of Kings to take? Uh, how many sorry, episodes? Chapters, uh, how many episodes, yeah. I have it currently outlined at 30, twice okay. as long as Warbreaker, essentially. Well, I mean, yeah. we took... So that's over half a year of Way of Kings? Yeah. I mean, we took, we went to the mid, no, Final Empire was twi- was 19 or 20 episodes, and the, the others were about the same, yeah? Uh, hold on, let's see. Let's go back. Final Empire is a little different because we were just doing two chapters specifically at first, and I upped it later. That's true. There was 18 for Final Empire, plus one for 11th Metal. Well of Ascension was 20. Hero of Ages was 19. Secret History was 5. Elantris was 17. Alloy of Law was 9, then 11, then 12, with Lost Metal clocking in at 14, So, and then this one was 15. So, 
Okay, so yeah, we're not quite at twice the length of previous books, but we're not far off it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Which is why they cut yours into ha- in half and gave you two books. Sure, sure. Which I'll um, <laughs> message you. I'll message you later the chapter where that switches over, so you know where that is in case you want to make that a, a shifting point. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. It's like, we'll are we reading from two books technically this week? Or yeah, might might do. We'll have to see how. Yeah, it'll depend on the links and stuff. But yeah, let yeah. me know. So yes, if you're following along, clearly we finished this one. We are starting on Wave Kings next time. So read that. And, uh, and uh, all of you out there who've, since we started this show, been asking me nonstop, when are you going to do Stormlight Archive? Even after I answer it on the show, more or less, I, I still get messages, emails, people on, on uh, Reddit and Discord. When are you going to do Stormlight Archive? Now. Now is when we're well, going to start Stormlight Archive. Well, as we've learned, <laughs> some people only listen to the episodes of the books that they've read. So if like depending on when we brought it up they might not have caught that that's a fair point yeah that's true <laughs> oh that's people so... come on we're 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 worth listening to more than just the books that you bring <laughs> read along with us are planning to join us for stormlight in which case they're not here already maybe we do need a little warning to go we will be talking about things that come up from Mistborn and yeah good call the little... yeah if you'd like to send us an email now that we're going to Stormlight, people have probably been saving saving up things. The address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. That is, there's a the there. There's no space. There's an e at the end. Thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Discord. You can find the link on our website, www.thesanderlanch.com. Uh, there's a link to our Discord there if you want to join. Instagram, Patreon, where I have finished uploading things for the moment now that uh, I've, uh, my reactions to Yumi and the Nightmare Painter are up, but when October hits, I should be moving right into whatever the next secret project is. I still haven't uh, I still managed to avoid the name of it, so I don't even know what it's going to be. Cool. But yeah, check that out if you're interested in that sort of thing. Oh, hey, one question regarding secret projects, and I don't know if we're allowed to know this or not, but they're on different planets as well, or are they on existing planets? So far, not counting the one that's not Cosmere, which takes place on Earth, kind of. Yeah, yeah. They have been on different planets that we have not heard of yet. Cool. Three chapters for next time. Music by Miracle of Sound. And wasing to the time of next. Colo? Yes, back. Now that I'm talking, you're like, hey, what's going on? Over here? Hey, what's going on on this side? <laughs> Cletus, the slack jaw, you're cool. I've got that on my uh, on my MP3 or on my phone. It was one fun time when I made my, through MP3. Play. Didn't mean to hurt, uh, but I did. Joe hearts this conversation. It's all good. Yeah, it was uh, it was a mistake. Joe doesn't really heart us. <clears throat> no. Fun. Some vocal never lose dough, and then again, some vocal. Like Cletus, the slack jaw, you'll go. Some vocal never eat a skunk, and then again, some vocal. Cletus, the slack jawed Yoko. I could call my ma while I'm up here. <laughs> hey, ma, get off, get the, off the dang roof. roof. <laughs> <laughs>